0: The following program is sponsored.
1: Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCoursey. If you go to Psalm
2: 119, you're going to read these words, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. This book is gold. When you and I discover some precious promise, some hope or expectation for the future, some view of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ in person and work. It's like we've just discovered treasure. This book is gold.
1: Our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, says God's Word is gold. It's God's Word that transforms us and teaches us. It's also God's Word that inspires us to offer praise and worship. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd. And today, Philip is explaining the importance of both private and congregational worship as we direct our songs to the Lord. It's another lesson from our Total Grace series that examines how God's grace infuses our faith and causes us to serve, to speak, and to sing. Here's Philip. Here's Philip.
2: Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. I like what Derek Tidball says in his commentary on Colossians. He says this, the word of Christ refers to the teaching of Christ, which we have recorded for us in the Gospels. But a full understanding of the teaching of Christ can only be obtained by reading the Gospels in the context of the Old Testament, which leads up to them, and the rest of the New Testament, which leads away from them. In other words, this is shorthand for speaking about the whole of the Bible with a special emphasis on the words of Jesus living in us. See, the Old Testament leads up to the Gospels, and the Book of Acts and the Epistles and the Revelation they flow out of the gospel. So I think when we read here about the Word of Christ, we're dealing with the whole of the Bible in relation to the message of God's love in Jesus Christ. Let's look at this other phrase, dwell in you richly, as we're just trying to get our heads and hands around the text. Let the Word of Christ, let the Word of God, let the Bible, let the Scriptures dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Literally, Let the Word of God take up residence in your life. Paul is saying, you know what I give thanks to God for? This cost you. You received this in much affliction. But when you heard the Word of God, you welcomed it. You said to God's Word, come on, come on in to my life. Teach me and transform me. That's what's going on in this text. Now I want to turn the text in a particular direction. Because I want you to understand that we're probably hearing this tact as an individual. And right now, you and I are thinking about a church somewhere in our home, a little cubby hole maybe where we get alone with the Lord, with our Bible open, and we're pouring over the Scriptures, and we're allowing it to speak to us, and it's prompting us to speak to God. That's the image, personal devotions, and that's a good thing. But that's not primarily in Paul's mind. Because the word you here is in the plural. Let the word of Christ dwell in you all, if you were from Alabama. He's speaking to a congregation. And you know what? I think you can tell that by looking at the text again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, plural, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing, notice, one another. There's something collective and corporate going on here, something congregational that's happening in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your, plural, your hearts to the Lord. So I want you to understand that right now this text is being addressed to a congregation of people. The picture here is not personal devotion. and It is not your quiet time. The picture here is corporate worship in the church on the Lord's day with the assembly of the saints. Where, according to Ephesians 4, in the best of circumstances, among that congregation will stand men gifted to the church by the risen Christ who are gifted to teach, able to teach. Men who labor in the word and doctrine. And the church assembles to hear those men and to let that word dwell, take resonance in their hearts. So what we have here is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is a message to listen intently and receive personally and live out practically what you hear from gifted teachers in the church. What did Jesus say to Peter? Feed my sheep. And when Paul's talking to Timothy, he describes the Christian leader in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 6. That man who's going to have oversight of God's people must be able to teach. Because the early church service was a teaching service. What do we read in 1 Timothy 4, verse 13? Timothy, give yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And alongside that would come an exposition. It is the word that informs us about God. It's the word of Christ that teaches us the gospel. As we come to understand it and experience it and enjoy it, we want to praise that which we enjoy, which starts with being informed through the scriptures. But the word leads to worship, preaching leads to praise, and scripture leads to song. Amen? That's what we're arguing here. Singing is an echoing of scripture preaching was not only a crucial part of worship, it created more worship. I like what Spurgeon says here. There is no worship of God that is better than the hearing of a sermon. I venture to say that if a sermon be well heard, it puts faith in exercise as you believe it. It puts love in exercise as you enjoy it. It puts gratitude in exercise as you think of all the blessings that God has given you. If the sermon be what it should be, it stirs all the coals of fire in your spirit and makes them burn with a brighter flame. That's why our Protestant forefathers and our evangelical forebrothers believed that when you came to that point where the Word of God was preached, you'd come to the high point of the worship service. But for the time that remains, let's go into practical reaction just for a few moments. Because if the Word of Christ is to dwell in the congregation richly, in the body of believers richly. Expository preaching must be married to expository listening. Communication is a package deal. It requires, on the one hand, a good speaker who's compelling and cogent and clear and biblical and textually true. But it also requires, on the other hand, a keen listener who has come ready like the Bereans, to hear and study the Scriptures for themselves. Not simply to be spoon-fed, but to meditate on the Scriptures themselves. Communication is a package deal. The parishioner must be in partnership with the preacher in working hard at listening and learning. There must be a partnership between the pulpit and the pew. I recommended it before. I recommend it again. It's a book called Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. Buy it. You'll be the better for it, and you'll make my job easier. (laughs) Here's what he says in this book, Expository Listening. In order for you to receive the maximum benefit from the sermon you hear, you must partner with the preacher so that the Word of God accomplishes its intended purpose of transforming your life. Nothing creates a more explosive, electrifying, life-changing atmosphere than when the lightning bolts from a spirit-empowered preacher hit the lightning rods of a spirit-illuminated listener. Oh, I like that. When the lightning bolts of a spirit-filled preacher are met with the lightning rods of a spirit-illuminated listener, that's when God shows up. That's when the spirit of God is felt. That's when a move of God begins. He goes on. There is no telling the dynamic impact the Spirit of God will make through the Word of God anytime someone faithfully explains and applies God's Word, coming in contact with someone who faithfully listens and obeys it. So I wrote down a few little things. Just going to go through these a bit, like a bit of a checklist to just kind of stir your thinking. We've looked at singing on the Scriptures. We'll look at singing on the saints and singing on the Savior. But what about lessons in expository listening. If you want to be a good expository listener, I think several things are involved. Number one, prizing. If you're taking notes, prizing. I think it all begins with how you view the Bible and how you value the Bible. If I'm going to get up and open it, I'm going to spend 45 or 50 minutes teaching it. If you don't value it, it'll come to nothing. But if you sit with an understanding of the value of the Word of God, the treasure that it is, the heart and mind of God revealed to his creation. A telescope on the future, the good news of Jesus Christ. It will help us make our decisions by instructing us in righteousness. If you understand all of that, you're going to be all ears. You're going to be all in. So it begins with, Pricing, doesn't the psalmist say in Psalm 19 verse 10 that the word of God is to be desired more than gold? That's the value he put on it. Job says, I esteemed your word more than my necessary food. If you go to Psalm 119 verse 162, you're going to read these words. Psalm 119 162. Very interesting picture. I rejoiced at your word as one who finds great treasure. The Word of God is like gold. This book is gold. You know, we often say that he's gold or she's gold. This book is gold. When you and I discover some precious promise, some hope or expectation for the future, some view of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ in person and work, it's like we've just discovered treasure. In fact, I think it was Warren Wiersbe brings this out in commenting on Psalm 119, verse 162. He says this, In Bible days, people sometimes hid their wealth in jars and buried it in the ground. And if a farmer plowing his feet suddenly discovered a jar filled with buried gold, he would greatly rejoice. And there are great treasures buried in God's Word, and you and I must diligently dig for them as we read, meditate, and pray. And when we find these treasures, we should rejoice and give thanks. Christ being the greatest treasure. Do you prize the word of God? Do you prize the preaching of the word of God? Do you realize it's a sacred hour when we sit down together and we put the week behind us and we hold off thoughts on the week to come and the word of God is opened and God speaks into our lives? It's the high point of the week. What about Nehemiah 8 verses 5 and 6? where you have that moment where at the water gate, the Word of God is preached and the Word of God is read. And there we read, and the people bowed down and worshipped. It was just a sacred moment, a wonderful time when the Word of God was opened and the people realized this is something special. Not only prizing, number two, preparing. Preparing. I love Ezra 7, verse 10. And Ezra prepared or set his heart to study the law. He set or he prepared his heart to study the law. I'm not sure what that all involved, but for you and I, it involves, you know, preparing our bodies and our minds with a good night's sleep. It means preparing our hearts by sitting down before the Word of God ourselves in a quiet moment, asking God to use the service in our lives in in an effective manner. It means prioritizing the Lord's day, preparing our week so that nothing gets in the way of assembling with God's people to hear the word of Christ preached that it might dwell in your heart richly. I like Revelation 1 verse 10 where we read of John. I know it's got a special implication, but a secondary application. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and he heard a voice. Are you in the Spirit? You may be in your car on your way to church on the Lord's day, but are you in the Spirit, in the car, coming to church? Ready, eager, prayed up, prepared, prizing, preparing, purging. You want to be a good expository listener? Then get rid of those things in your life or in your thinking that get in the way of God's Word. What about James 1, verse 21? James 1 verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He's speaking to believers. This is sanctification. The saving of their souls is the continual saving that comes after justification. Justification and that's going to require the receiving of the word of God and to receive it you've got to lay aside those things that get in the way of the Spirit's work through the word interesting the word filthiness here is a Greek word that can carry the idea of earwax that's the idea sins can be like earwax wrong attitudes wrong behavior watching the wrong thing on a Saturday night before the Lord's day doing a wrong thing. It's filthiness. It's like earwax. It's going to get in the way of you hearing the Word of God through the Spirit of God. And you've got to repent of that. You've got to purge that. You've got to lay that aside. You've got to be at that place where your heart is open and your motives are sincere to what God wants to do in your life. That's why you need to be thinking through like the psalmist in Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart, examine my way, see if there's any wicked way in me pondering, prizing, preparing, purging, pondering. We've not only got to hear, but we've got to hear by meditation, by pondering, by thinking through what we hear. What does the psalmist say in Psalm 119 verses 15 and 16? I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You know what it's saying. It's so easy to hear but forget. To receive it, like a child receives instruction from a father or a mother and then just throws it away. shrug of the shoulder. No. No, you're going to ponder it. You're going to contemplate God's way. You love your father, so you receive your instruction. And your father is a king. And you sit under the authority of his word and you meditate on his counsel. It's repeated again because I want to read it. Psalm one, nineteen, ninety-three. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Now you hear the sermon for an hour, but you can meditate on it the rest of the week. And you can get a top-up at a small group during the week or a men's study or a women's study. And you've got the Word of God and you meditate on it. You ponder it. You roll it over in your mind. You chew on it like a hard candy that you roll over your tongue again and again and again. You suck that thing for all it's worth. That's what you do with the Word of God. When I was a young Christian, I used to take little cards, index cards. and I worked at an assembly line in an aircraft company and I'd take one of those in every day and put it in my overall pocket and every 30 or 40 minutes I'd bring it out. And let the Word of God wash me in the midst of the filth I was hearing and seeing. Pornographic pictures on the walls, guys' lockers, the filthy language that was going on. I needed the Word of God to keep cleansing me. I needed to meditate on it day and night, pondering it, meditating on it. You know, the Word of God is useful for four things. For doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Therefore, as you mull over scripture, ask yourself, what did I learn? Doctrine. Where have I failed? Reproof. How can I fix it? Correction. How can I make this change? Stick. Instruction in righteousness. Prizing, preparing, purging, pondering. There's two others. I'm just going to throw them your way. Praying and presenting. Praying. Pray for the preacher. That it'll be true to the text. Filled by the Spirit. Able to communicate God's Word clearly and confidently. Isn't that what Paul prays for the Colossians to pray for? In Colossians 4, 3 to 4. And then pray for yourself. That God will give you the grace to receive it and do the hard work of obeying it. Psalm 119, verses 17 to 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from out of your law. And then there's a presenting. That's a presenting of yourself. That's an arriving at the text and the sermon with this attitude. Whatever I hear, I'm going to obey. If it rebukes me, I'm going to embrace it. If it corrects me, I'm going to take it. And whatever change it points out, I'm going to do it. That's back to Acts 10, verse 33, where Cornelius says to Peter, We're all here, and I speak to us what God has commanded. It's like they turned up on the parade ground as soldiers Standing to attention, ready to receive the commandments of the commanding officer. That's what we do on a Sunday morning. Finish with this. There's a story of three friends, a lawyer and a doctor and a pastor who are out deer hunting. And As they go through the woods, a large buck springs out from behind the foliage. For a moment, they're startled. They freeze, but all together, they raise their weapons and fire simultaneously. And the buck drops to the ground. And then a heated debate ensues as to who shot the buck, who can claim the prize. And in the middle of this heated debate, a game warden arrives and asks them what the commotion's about. And, and the lawyer tells him, well, you know what? This buck just jumped out in front of us, kind of caught us by surprise. For a moment, we were startled, but then we all raised our weapons. We shot at the same time, and we're not sure who killed it. And he says, let me examine the buck, and I'll, I'll try and help. And after a few moments, he turns to them, and he said, I'm pretty sure the preacher shot the buck. The lawyer says, what makes you think that? He says, well, it's pretty easy. The bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> well, that's the preacher's lot often. He does all this work and the people don't do their work. It goes in one ear and out the other. You've got this Bible bullet going in one ear and out the other. Well, let's work at making sure that doesn't happen here. Let lie. Make it the case that the Bible takes up residence in your heart. That you're the kind of Christian that's hospitable to the Word. Have those kind of services where God is worshipped as His Word is preached. And as His Word is preached and the Word is dwelling hearts richly, you'll find that you will praise that which you enjoy. And you will call others to enjoy it with you. Therefore, let us exalt His name together. Lord, we thank You for our time in the Word. We thank You for these sacred times that we get to enjoy every Lord's Day where we meet in freedom to hear the Word of God preached and the Gospel proclaimed. And it's life-changing. We come to revel in Your grace and amazed at Your love and can hardly take in all that You've yet to do in our lives. Lord, we gladly worship you. And so we pray as a congregation that we would forever be marked by expository preaching and expository listening. We're not here to worship the Bible. We're here to hear the Bible, that we might worship the God who's revealed in the Bible. And we pray for a sweet work of your Spirit who will take his word and show us Christ and show us the paths of righteousness for his sake. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: You're listening to Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of a message titled Join the Song from our Total Grace series. Here at Know the Truth, Philip delivers these faith-fortifying messages on grace to encourage you to exchange your weakness for God's strength. You'll find each broadcast archived on our website at ktt.org. There you can listen anytime or download the messages to send to a friend. You can also purchase the current series on CD when you call 888-644-8811. As Philip shared, grace is the central message of the gospel. It's by grace that we have been saved from sin and death through faith in Jesus Christ. But God's extravagant grace doesn't just cover our sins, it covers our lives and makes us strong. And today, we hope you'll reach out to us at Know the Truth to get this month's resource, the book titled Grace-Focused Optimism. This is a resource that we encourage you to read in tandem with Philip's current series. In the stole sering book, author C.L. Chase invites you to adopt a positive biblical mindset. Don't live down in the dumps when you can lay hold of God's grace for a life of hope and irrepressible joy. The book is yours when you support the ministry of Know the Truth. Make a generous donation and request Grace Focus Optimism when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And if you prefer to send a check, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Now, with the arrival of the new year, we're making new ministry plans, and we want you to weigh in. So take the Know the Truth listener survey. It's your chance to let us know how we can serve you best. You'll find the survey online at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, signing off for today. Come back tomorrow when we'll continue to explore the Song of Grace. That's Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.
0: Sebastian Gorka is excited to start his own radio show. Can't be more excited for you joining the Salem team. This is the best faculty in talk radio. Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, Eric Metaxas. Wow. We love it. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA. Weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer. And all the time on Washington's AM 1260. You'll always get this straight story from Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Look at ISIS. Who who talks about ISIS? ISIS was on the front page every day beheading people. Nobody talks about them. Why? Because we have leadership in the White House. We have Donald Trump with reasserting American leadership in the world. Starting January 1st, it's America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA and weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer. One of the great privileges of my...